Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. When we talk about trust, we're talking about something that is really easy to give out to people that we feel comfortable with. We tend to trust people that we have connections with, people that we click with, people that tend to offer us some kind of comfort when we meet them. And we can sometimes share details with complete strangers, go into sometimes the most traumatic events of our life with people that we've never even met before. Because there's just something about that moment that tells you that this is someone that you can trust with this information. And then you discover you were completely wrong. Anybody else have that experience? <laughs> you just read them wrong, you read the situation wrong, you felt entirely comfortable, you let your guard down, and then, you know, they, they just destroyed that, that trust. And, um, you know, there's things that, about trust that we, I think we can honestly relate to and, and other things that can, can just, you know, just remind us of some, some pretty bad situations and circumstances in our life. I think that when someone, you know, does something to have us lose our trust in them, it's really hard to, to regain it, right? It's really hard for us to open up and to, and to trust in them again. In fact, researchers have often looked at the issue of trust, and there was a study that was done even at Penn State University in the United States, and they asked people to document for 30 days all the things that they would worry about. And as they did that for 30 days, they then asked them to do another exercise. After they had written down what they were worried about over a period of 30 days, they said, now write down the things that actually came to pass. And at the end of those 30 days, less than 10% of what they had worried about actually came true. And what's interesting about that is that obviously over 90% of what we worry about never comes to pass. But less than 10% of what we worry about will happen. And what that means is that worry will always rob you 100% of the time. 100% of the time, worry will rob you of your peace. And if we're trying to experience peace we're trying to get a handle on the things that bring worry into our lives. And I know that there's a lot of things that can keep us up at night. Uh, things that can keep us awake when we want to be sleeping instead. And I, I know that that happens to me. Sometimes I can't shut my mind off. Has anyone else just like grabbed their phone when that happens and just scrolled for the next hour? on social media just trying to fall back asleep? Is anyone? No, just me? Okay. 
thanks for being honest. Uh, and make me feel even more inadequate. Uh, appreciate that. But I do know that when I do stay awake and I can't get back to sleep, I know that during that time that I'm awake, I am not trying to manage or to discover a way to restore my peace or to bring joy into my life. See, I'm using that time in the wrong way. I'm awake, and I'm not trying to restore peace. I'm not trying to restore joy. What I'm doing is I'm perpetuating the worry. And the thing about that is that I'm awake worrying about things that are completely out of my control. And I think we understand that, but yet it's hard to just stop doing it. I'm thinking about the very things that are going to get worse and not better. I'm almost, in a manner, predicting the worst outcome to actually come to pass by thinking about it so much. Because the more I think about it, my life starts to go in the direction of what I'm worried about. I'm almost the one who's sometimes responsible for fulfilling my very prophecy of worry. The thing that I'm most concerned about. Now, I, I, sometimes I stay up at night and I, and I worry about the friends that my kids have. And sometimes I, I worry about the fact that I have health concerns. Sometimes I, I used to stay up at night worrying about my aging parents and and, and, and now that they're no longer there, I worry about the fact that I don't have parents. Sometimes I, I worry about the wars that are taking place. I worry about acts of terrorism that we read about. I, I worry about the murder in the streets that are taking place in broad daylight in restaurants. I worry about racism and economy. I, I worry about all of those things. I, I worry about inflation. Has anyone noticed the price of eggs lately? Can anyone even eat butter anymore? I don't know. It's ridiculous. I worry about those things. I worry about the interest rate. I worry. And I, and I think that the difference between worry and anxiety can sometimes get confused in my own mind. And while I can't have any control over these things, I know that anxiety and worry are related. I know that they overlap. I know that they're different, but yet somehow they speak to me about the same thing. And what I've come to understand is that we worry in our minds, but then we experience anxiety in our bodies. And so when I talk about worry, I'm not really talking about anxiety, but I'm talking about how worry can lead me to a place where I'm experiencing anxiety. Where that anxiety can affect me in ways that it brings me to a place where I am no longer able to distinguish between the two. And so worry is, if I could clarify, it is something quite specific. I went through the list earlier of some of the things that I worry about, and maybe those aren't your concerns. Maybe those aren't your worries. But worry is specific. You can actually name what it is that you're worried about. But anxiety is widespread. It just doesn't just affect you physically, but it begins to affect your, your functioning in your everyday life. And so worry 
we now understand leads to anxiety. And so if, if you don't want to be an anxious person, then you have to get a handle on what you're worrying about. And, and that's why Jesus gives instructions with regards to this. He says, I don't want you to worry. But he doesn't just tell us not to worry. He also tells us how we can stop worrying. And so the passage that I wanted to read to you is actually found in Luke chapter 12. And let's go through it together. It starts at verse 22. And it says that Jesus then said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat, or about your body, what you're going to wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. I want you to consider the ravens. They do not sow, they do not reap, they have no storeroom, they have no barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your own life? Or in another passage it says, who can add even a cubic to their life? Meaning like, being able to grow like 18 inches. And since you cannot do this very little thing, then why do you worry about the rest? And then in verse 27, it says, Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor, they do not spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these fields. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink, and do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom, and then these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom." I want you to even sell your possessions and give them to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It starts at 32 and it says, don't be afraid, little flock. And what the story here is, is that Jesus looks at us and, and he says that we are his flock, that we're he knows that we are prone to worry. He knows that we're prone to become anxious, but he's going to take care of us. And then he makes it clear that, that he's our heavenly father and that he's pleased to do something. And the thing that he's pleased to do is to give you the kingdom. Now, I want you to imagine that, that we look at ourselves and we worry about all these things. And, and Jesus is saying, but you have a father who has given you an inheritance, and your inheritance is the kingdom. You're worrying about things that you don't have to worry about because if you understood who I am, what I offer you, and the inheritance that is at your access, that is accessible to you, then you wouldn't worry the way that you do. Now, here's, here's my problem. My problem is I don't actually have a real trust fund. Anybody else? I wish I did. I wish I'd be able to just like 
you know, pursue my life purpose and passions without ever having to worry about money again. Anybody else? I mean, I'm sure there's people in this room who play the lottery for that exact reason, just believing that, you know, that, that they could be the one who wins it next. Right? And, and, and you're hoping that, that money is going to solve all of your problems. It's going to bring all the solutions that you can bring into your life. And so what we end up doing is we end up pursuing wealth because we don't understand how rich we already are. We, we don't understand how wealthy God has already made us. And that if we would tap into that through faith, we would stop worrying. And we would stop being concerned about the things that we cannot control and put our trust in a God who has all of this under his control. And so then he challenges us to make room for God. And then in verse 33, he says something audacious. He says, why don't you just sell your possessions and give to the poor? And he says, if you're so concerned about wealth, then, then one way to no longer be concerned about it, no longer to have it have mastery over you, is to just sell it and get rid of it. And there was a rich ruler who was so wealthy that, that when God saw how it was holding him back from understanding the kingdom, one of the things that he told him to do was just sell everything and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. You see, sometimes wealth is the worst thing we can have because it keeps us away from the true riches that God has to offer us. What God wants is for us to make room through generosity, to make room in our hearts, to not be dominated by wealth and not to have that as our God and the only pursuit of our purpose in life so that we can actually see that God has a way of bringing wealth into our lives when we are able to be generous and no longer allow it to have mastery over us. When we don't give because we feel we don't have, it is then that we truly can never have. That's what he's trying to tell us. See, he's saying, I want to give you, I want to bless you, I want to give you more, but here's the problem. Nothing can multiply if you hold on to it. See, there's a parable where one of the guys or girls in the story takes this talent and buries it because they were afraid to lose it. And when, and when the master of the house comes back, he says, where's the talent that I gave you? And he said, and the person says, you know, I, I hid it in the ground because I was afraid to lose it. And so I'm happy to be able to just give it back to you because you gave me one and I'm giving you back one. And, and, it, and they, they felt really good about that, you know? Because they didn't lose what they were entrusted with. They held on to it. But here's the problem. If you don't invest it, God can't multiply it. If you do nothing with it, then it can't serve anyone. See, when we hold on to what we think we're going to lose, here's what happens. When we worry about the little that we have, here's what happens. We actually don't end up with anything more. But when we invest it, the two becomes four and the five becomes ten. And the person who did nothing with the one, well, that gets given to the person 
who turned the five into ten because what God is looking for is for people who know how to manage and steward and trust him in doing it. And God will always give more to the person who does more and is willing to invest more and is willing to trust more. Does that make sense? And, and we do the same thing in our everyday relationships, right? It's like, I want to trust you, but I can't trust you because, well, you keep proving to me that I can't. Does that make sense? So I'm not going to trust you with more. I have enough to trust you with less and go give it to somebody who I can trust more with. If you're an employer, this makes sense. You're going to find that employee that you can entrust more. If, if you're in a relationship, you're going to find someone to be in a relationship with that you can entrust more. If you have a family member that you trusted and then they break that trust, then you're going to go outside of even your family unit to find someone that you can trust more. And we do this all the time. And then when we look at God and we say, God, why aren't you blessing my life? God says, well, why are you always worrying about your life? Don't you think I want to give you more? That's my whole purpose in life is to give you my kingdom. Your inheritance is already there. You're not tapping into what I have for you. You think I don't want to give you more? My whole purpose is to make sure you have more so that you can not only do more, but be more. That's what I want to do. And so in Matthew, in chapter 6 and in verse 34, this is the same story told a little differently in this book. And it ends differently. And it says... I don't want you to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You cannot, you cannot serve God and riches at the same time. That's what it's saying. You can't serve God and riches at the same time. Because if you get concerned about one, you're going to lose sight of the other. So God says, why don't you just trust me for both of those things? Trust me for today. Trust me for tomorrow. Trust me with what you have and with what I have yet not given you. And know that I will. And so in Matthew 6 and then in verse 24, he goes on to expand on this. And he says, even before you, you read into this whole part where Jesus is saying, I don't want you to worry about tomorrow. This is what he says. He says, you cannot serve two masters. Because either you're going to hate the one and you're going to love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so what he's telling us in this passage is, is essentially that. You can't serve God and riches at the same time. But our natural instinct when we worry is to default to fear instead of faith. And so what Jesus does is he has to address that because he knows that this is what we're going to worry about. And so Jesus actually comprises his own list. And in the passages that we just read, I'm going to break it down for you, for you and I'm going to put it up here on the screen that there are five things that we tend to worry about. And Jesus addresses each of these things. 
He says that we worry about our finances, that we worry about our food, we worry about our fitness, which is our health, we worry about clothing and what we wear, and that's fashion, but we also worry about our future. Now, when you see a list like this, you're going to see that you're going to worry about some things more than others. And some of us should really start to worry about some things more than others. <laughs> it's going to speak to, to both of us in this category a little differently. Maybe we don't worry enough about those things. And maybe we should do something about them. So God says, I want you to move away from a place of worry and instead into a place of and here's the key word, concern. And so if we can transition away from worry, then we can eliminate anxiety. Because if we can become concerned about these things, then what this does is that it moves us away from inaction towards action. And so the reason that Jesus addresses these things is because we look at this list and we may see that we have action and inaction in these categories that are up on the screen. And God is saying, which one is there action in? Which one is there inaction in? And in the areas where there's inaction, chances are we are worrying about those things, but not necessarily doing anything about them. And that's why in Luke chapter 21, in verse 34 to 36, look how Jesus describes this. He says that this is what's going to happen to us if we're not careful. So he starts with the warning, watch out. Now when Jesus says watch out, well then what should we do? Watch out. Right? He doesn't say it often. But when he says watch out, then we should really watch out. Like we should really pay attention to what it is that he's about to tell us. And so what he's telling us is he says, don't let your hearts, look at this, be dulled by carousing and drunkenness, and then adds, and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware. Like a trap. Because for that day will come upon everyone living on the earth, Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. And so he brings our attention to two things. The first thing he says is watch out for the worries of this life and then watch out for the pleasures that it offers. And the thing that we sometimes don't realize is that worry leads us to a place where we just want to forget. And without realizing it, we're going to turn to the things that give us pleasure because the life that we're leading isn't accomplishing that. And instead of things getting better, they actually get worse, but in a different way. And so he says you need to watch out because without realizing the things that you are worrying about are legitimate, but instead of handling it in the right way, you turn to the things 
that actually help you deal with it, but bring about devastating effects both in you and those around you. See, whenever God brings something into our life, it's not only going to make our life better, but it's going to make the lives of those around us better as well. That's how he works. If it blesses us and destroys others, it isn't from God. It isn't good for us, and it certainly isn't good for others. See, it can never just be a blessing to us and a curse to others. When something blesses, it blesses everyone and everything. That's how God operates. That's what blessing means. It's not just a blessing to me, but it's a blessing now through me as well. It's a blessing to you and through you. And when we understand this, then we understand that Jesus doesn't just tell us not to worry, but he shows us how not to worry. Because worry does this. It focuses on what's beyond our control, and this will always result in inaction. It will always do the same thing. And so if it paralyzes you, if it forces you to not make a move, if it feels like if you make a move, it's going to be the wrong one, and so therefore you do nothing, then you know that you are worrying about this, and it's in your hands, under your control, and not in God's hands and under his control. But what concern does is that it shifts the focus on what's within our control and puts it back into God's control because concern then points us back to who is most concerned about this and it's already our heavenly father see i'm not the only one who's concerned about these things i go back to the fact that god is already concerned about these things and so what i do is that i say god i know you're concerned about these things in fact in your word you say not to worry that you've got this, that you're able to give me your kingdom, you have given me an inheritance that I don't need to worry because you've got this under your control. And so these are not my words, they're yours. So bring them to pass in my life. Say, so I take God's word and I bring it back to him and I say, I'm going to put my faith and trust in what you have said. I'm going to start believing what you have already declared. So I'm going to stop worrying about it because I know that I can be concerned to a point, but know that it's not going to leave me in a place of inaction, but action by putting my faith and trust in you. But, but when Jesus is talking about birds, when he's talking about birds, this is what he's talking about. He says, birds are not waiting for the food to be brought to them. And, and, and I, I had to think about that for a second because I realized that birds are also not awake at night. You are never going to find a bird that is awake at night. Okay, maybe there's a species of bird that I'm not aware of. That maybe it's nocturnal. I get it. Let me just finish my point. You can always find a flaw in what I'm saying. Let me just finish. Birds are not awake at night rubbing their little wings together, anxious, and chirping all night, 
wondering what are they going to eat when the sun comes up. Does that make sense? They're not doing that. They're sleeping, unlike us who are awake. And, and so what Jesus is saying is that birds are different because they understand that there will always be food for them in the morning. Man, I want to go to bed every night believing that Jesus has got my back. That there is nothing I need to worry about because he's got it covered. If he's going to take care of the fields and the birds, and if their splendor is going to be even greater than any of the clothes that Solomon could wear as the richest zillionaire in the world, then what do I got to worry about the finances that maybe aren't coming in the way that I would expect them to, Jesus saying, hey, what you worry about most reveals where you trust me the least. And I, I, I need to go to the things that I'm worrying about, and I need to say, God, this is where I'm trusting you the least. And maybe it isn't in one of those five categories, but probably is, but it's going to speak to me of where I'm not trusting you where I'm not putting my faith in you, where I'm not believing that you can do things in my life, where you can turn things around for me. Because what you worry most about reveals where your heart is. That's where your treasure is. That's what Jesus was saying when he said that. When we're worrying, we're basically saying, God, I don't really trust you. When we're worrying, we're saying, God, I don't trust your plan. When we're worrying, we're saying, God, I don't believe that you're with me. When we're worrying, we're saying, God, I'm not sure that you are really, truly good. But when we move away from worry and we move instead to a place of trust, that we can put our faith and trust in a verse just like this in John 14. In verse 27, he says, I'm leaving you with a gift. He says, I'm going to give you peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give you is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Because he is our peace. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. I, I, Lord, I, I want you to just give us that, that, that faith that can also be a spiritual gift to each of us. Just to move forward like never before. So we can leave our worry behind and our anxiety that paralyzes us forever in the past. And move forward instead, no longer with fear, but with faith. Believing in your multiplying powers to take what we have and to do great things with it. Not just for us, but for those that you are calling us to bless with it. And Lord, I pray that you would change our minds and our hearts today, that you would do what you just said here in this verse, and that you would give us peace of mind and of heart. I pray, Lord, that where it is that we are struggling, where it is that we are revealing that we don't trust you enough, that, Lord, that would be the area that you would start with each of us. And as we commit this to you, Lord, we pray for the victory in Jesus' name. We pray for a breakthrough in Jesus' name. We pray for our lives to be once and for all transformed in Jesus' name. And we pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen.
Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only He can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.